This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Propax Gold with NT Factor, a complete vitamin and mineral formula. NT Factor is the only nutritional formula clinically proven to reduce fatigue, whatever the cause, age, illness, or just being run down. NT Factor repairs damaged cells and restores healthy bacteria in your digestive tract. Clinical trials have shown NT Factor reduces fatigue by almost half, and it even reverses some symptoms of aging. I've been taking NT Factor for years. With a 45-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. To order, call 800-982-9158, 800-982-9158, or go to ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. We're talking to a physician extraordinaire, Dr. David Brownstein, MD, uh, who is the author of A Holistic Approach to Viruses, unless you think, oh, this is another uh, theoretical book about uh, what some of the things might be, what the scientific literature says. Yeah, there's that information there, but uh, Dr. Brownstein also has frontline experience uh, over his many decades of medical practice dealing with patients who have viral disorders. He's applying this to the current COVID crisis, and uh, he's a rare bird because uh, he treats patients with integrative therapies uh, for COVID with great success. He's written a peer-reviewed paper on it. So congratulations to you, David. It's really uh, great that you have had uh, the courage and tenacity to do the courage, you know, physical courage in terms of exposing yourself to the hazards of seeing patients who are infectious, but also the courage to step a little bit out of the mainstream, a lot of the mainstream, and offer uh, therapies according to your Hippocratic Oath. Well, we took that oath. That oath was, in part, above all, do no harm. And um, I realized quickly into my practice that prescribing too many drugs definitely seemed to harm patients. And, you know, I took a, a 180 turn on that and decided... I was going to try and support their bodies, not poison and block enzymes and receptors in the body, you know, using, you know, primarily how drugs work. But um, it's been a good road. It's it's not for the faint of heart. And treating COVID is not for the faint of heart. You know, I was really scared at the beginning of that when I wasn't sure our therapy was going to work. But, you know, and here we are 18 months later and, you know, still seeing patients, still doing the IVs, still doing parking lots and still still doing the work. And we're still seeing patients improve. And it's, it's been very... You know, COVID has sort of been the the worst time in medicine for me, the most stressful, most anxiety-provoking time, and the best time in medicine, and the most exciting and thrilling and, you know, awesome part of medicine, all rolled into one ball. Right now, it's getting a little tiring, and I wish it would end, but, um, you know, here we are. Indeed. Uh, so, uh, what about uh, intravenous vitamin C? Is that part of your uh, protocol for COVID? It's, it's been touted. Some studies have, are underway. Uh, I think it is helpful against uh, viral disorders. What's been your experience? Oh, I mean, vitamin C is, you know, an essential substance we can't live without. We can't manufacture in our bodies. So either we get it in from our diet, get enough in from our diet, or we're vitamin C deficient. Now, I've been checking vitamin C levels in patients for 28 plus years, and I can assure you the vast majority of people have either lowered reference range levels of vitamin C that are too low, they're not optimal, and about 30% are actually low in vitamin C. And low vitamin C causes you know, multiple problems in the body, such as immune system problems and blood vessel problems and um, healing problems. And 
you know, what have we seen problems with COVID? They have blood vessel problems, they have immune system problems, and they have healing problems. So, you know, one of the, you know, I write a newsletter, one of the articles I wrote, you know, is COVID an example of, you know, uh, an illness that's causing scurvy because it's lowering vitamin C levels and people are already marginally, mm-hmm. you know, deficient or marginally, you know, above the reference range. But with, with um, ineffective and, clotting, I mean, some of these people have uh, uh, simultaneously blood clots and uh, ineffective clotting where they have hemorrhages. Absolutely. It's like scurvy so, like. So intravenous, mm-hmm. intravenous vitamin C, I've done it for 28 years. It's, it's you can get higher levels in the serum than you can taking it orally. And, you know, it's a wonderful treatment when people are sick with viral and or bacterial illnesses. And is, is it a cure-all? Nothing's a cure-all. The immune system's a cure-all. There's not, you know, people think antibiotics cure illnesses. They don't. They only work if your immune system engages with that antibiotic. Um, you know, similar to chemotherapy doesn't cure any cancer. It's got to be the chemotherapy can lower the cancer levels in the body, and then the immune system maps it up. But in this case, we need an immune system to to take care of business, and vitamin C can give that immune system a chance. You know, one of the ways vitamin C works, intravenous vitamin C, is you get levels up high enough, causes the white blood cells to produce a lot of hydrogen peroxide. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It is one of the ways to deliver hydrogen peroxide intracellularly, right? Yep. And they, they, the white blood cells will release hydrogen peroxide in contact with foreign invaders or infected cells to try and kill them. So you can enhance that whole situation with vitamin C. You can also enhance that situation with nebulizing hydrogen peroxide. Um, that, you know, if we want to talk about that, that's one of the therapies I've been utilizing for over two decades. And it's remarkable for people. A dilute solution of hydrogen peroxide mixed in sterile saline with a drop of 5% Lugol's iodine added to what you're going to nebulize, um, can when people are suffering with pneumonia or COPD or or you know any breathing issues that you know that their lungs are inflamed, the most remarkable part of my COVID protocol has well, it's not a COVID protocol doesn't doesn't cure COVID but it helps the immune system. But mm-hmm. the most remarkable part of that protocol was what I heard from patients when they started nebulizing peroxide and iodine, what we heard routinely was with the second. So I told people when you're sick, if you're coughing, any breathing issues, you know, any sore throat, start nebulizing this 0.03% solution of hydrogen peroxide and then add one drop of 5% Lugol's to the well of the nebulizer and breathe that. And what I heard routinely was with the second dose of that, and I told them if they're sick to do it every hour while they're awake, and then spread it out as they feel better, um, was the second dose of that nebulizer, their lungs would open up. They could breathe again. Their pulse ox would improve. And we're still hearing that today. And, you know, so so here we are doing two ways to get peroxide up in the lungs. One is we're having them nebulize peroxide, and the other is we're having them use vitamin C. And, you know, these are safe therapies. There's really no side effects, you know, if it's used appropriately. Um the worst thing about nebulizing peroxide and iodine is it can cause a drying feeling in the throat and maybe it worsens your cough, but usually that goes away mm-hmm. after the first time of doing it. It's really not much. And the worst thing I can tell you with it is it didn't help some people. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, no one no one seemed to worsen their situation with it, and I haven't seen that over two decades of using it. But it, it's, it's pretty satisfying and, you know, pretty safe. And, you know, I think if we had people do this, these two things, we wouldn't have 600,000 dead. I mean, it's all conjecture at this point, but 
You know, I, I've seen in my practice, we saw people in pulse axes in their 80s, sometimes dropping down into the upper 70s. I was as scared mm-hmm. as anybody else. Yeah, that, that. that's fair. I mean, just to, for, for our audience reference, uh, optimal, you know, I, I have a, a new Apple Watch and I check my pulse ox, not because I'm sick, but, you know, just kind of curious. And, you know, it's usually 97, 98, and sometimes 99 in a healthy individual. Uh, so when it drops down to 80, oh, my goodness. I mean, you know, it's... Uh, Scary. Some people think that's an indication for putting a tube in, for a breathing yep. tube. Mm-hmm. And the 80s, we, we saw the 80s a year ago. And remember, the 80s were occurring when everyone was scared to go to the hospital. In Michigan, in March and April, maybe in April at that point, hospitals were, there was concern the hospitals were going to overflow, the ICU beds were going to be full. People were dying left and right as soon as they were ventilated. So the patients didn't want to go to the air. It was virtually you know. a death sentence. I mean, very few yeah. patients survived that around. ordeal. Yeah. And, and physicians, and there's no blame going around there. We all tried our best. Um, but they had the ventilator settings wrong, and we didn't know. And um, we've learned, and we've we've recovered from that. That's why the death rate has gone down for the hospitalized patients, which is a good thing. But my goal is to try and keep them out of the hospital in the first place. Right. Uh, so let's talk about some other nutrients. You know, he's, he's talking about nebulizing substances. Uh, I've used uh, glutathione nebulizer, um, which seems to be helpful for some patients with uh, chronic lung problems. Uh, do you find it helpful or, or do you give people oral glutathione precursors? So glutathione is a antioxidant produced in the human body. It's a potent antioxidant. And um, you know, we use glutathione IVs, um, we use glutathione orally, we use, uh, you know, NAC, a precursor to glutathione. Of course, you know, that's been pulled from the market or being pulled from the market for some, un- well, whatever, you don't have to get into that. But, um, so glutathione is really important. In the past, I had used glutathione nebulizer. I had nebulized glutathione for patients, saw very good results with it, um, However, when I started nebulizing peroxide, I thought it was a better bang for the buck. And glutathione was great. It does work. I think peroxide and combination of peroxide and iodine nebulizing works a little better than glutathione. What about uh, quercetin? Quercetin, popular. Uh, I have here a pamphlet from uh, one of the major supplement companies that you probably recognize in a second. Uh, and they've got a new product, which contains vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, N-acetylcysteine and quercetin. How about that for uh, viral infections? Well, you know, what's interesting, Ron, is we've used the same treatment program over 20, over two decades. It's the exact same program. It's, it's high-dose vitamin A, C, D, and iodine for four days, nebulized peroxide and iodine, usually done at the same time, and then IVs if they need them. And the only thing that's different over the last two plus decades is, you know, I added ozone into this mix about mm-hmm. 15, 12 years ago, 15 years ago, after I went to a course by um, Robert Rowan. Mm-hmm. And um, other than that, we're doing the same therapy. So I didn't use quercetin. I didn't use a lot of glutathione. Some patients I did IV in this, but not a lot. I didn't use ivermectin. I didn't use hydroxychloroquine. Um, I didn't use zinc. Now, I've been checking zinc levels in patients for a long time. Most of my patients had adequate zinc levels. Or if they didn't, they were already taking zinc when they, you know, I'd already identified low zinc and they were taking it. But I didn't add zinc into these patients. So that protocol is the same thing I've been doing, 
we, we changed nothing when COVID started. We did it the same way we've been doing mm-hmm. it for years and years and years. And it's, it's really proved out to work pretty well. Do I think uh, quercetin and zinc and, you know, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine can help? Sure, there's studies that show that it helps. I've heard other doctors talk about it. And, you know, Dr. Zelenko has talked about it using, you know, um, I think he used hydroxychloroquine and zinc for most of them. And um, so I think there's different ways that you can approach this. But I'm just telling you about what I've seen in my practice and what's worked and what has continued to work. And the real reason I wrote that book was I wanted to explain the mechanisms behind how it works. And, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of things that vitamin A does in the immune system. It, it's, it prevents inflammatory cytokines from, you know, being overproduced. It stimulates the immune system to fight infections. It stimulates the production of immunoglobulin A, which is an immune um, immune substance in the mucosa that's supposed to engage foreign invaders like coronavirus. Um, you know, vitamin C helps cytokine storm from stopping. Vitamin C produces peroxide, as we mentioned before. Vitamin C has those same immune system, you know, positive effects that like vitamin A does. Vitamin D has a huge role with the immune system and you know, keeping vitamin D levels up. And when vitamin D levels are low, vitamin A levels are low, vitamin C levels are low, cytokine storm is more likely to happen. Inflammation is more likely to gather and take hold. And iodine, virtually the same, you know, they all have their own ways of working. And I wrote a chapter separately in each of them to explain that. But it's the same basic phenomenon. And that's why I chose those things over the years. Um, I remember, you know, when I decided I want to be a holistic doctor and I didn't really know what that was, you know, I'm reading the numbers of twenty to 100,000 people dying from the flu every year. I graduate medical school. What do, we, what do we learn to treat flu with? We learn nothing. We told people to stay at home, go to bed, and go to work when you feel better. You know, we had nothing to offer them, and yet twenty to 100,000 people are dying every year. Um, so I started researching, well, there's, let's support the immune system. Let's give the immune system a chance when it gets confronted with these these stressors and these viral and bacterial illnesses. And lo and behold, like I said previously, you know, our patients weren't hospitalized, weren't dying, you know, we're able to recover from these viral illnesses and we we're, we weren't anywhere close to what the statistics are reported every year. Well, and nothing changed with the coronavirus. That, it, was that, just, it was really the same thing. That, that's really remarkable. Uh, to, to move on to a little bit of a different topic, um, have you seen patients with vaccine side effects? And if so, uh, do you have any insights into what can be done to prevent or treat such symptoms? You know, people who've had neurological side effects, people who've had uh, various types of uh, vaccine reactions. So, in, so in our in our practice, we've seen patients who, a few days to a week after a vaccine, have a stroke. We have seven so far in our practice. Wow. And now the stroke is a weird stroke. It's a small vessel stroke. Um, and it's a different stroke. And it's just because I've been practicing medicine for close to 30 years. You know, I know what strokes, how stroke patients present. They present differently. And um, one patient comes to mind who is in his late 60s, healthy as all get out. He's thin. He, he eats well. He takes care of himself. I've been seeing him for 15 years. And, you know, we've, we've corrected nutrient imbalances and, you know, I monitor him two, twice a year. I don't have to see him much because he's so healthy. His wife calls me and said he's had a stroke and he's in, he's paralyzed in his left arm and left, left leg. 
And um, she didn't tell me anything. I, I said, oh, well, why did he have the stroke? And she goes, they don't know. And I said, I'd like to see him. And she goes, well, I'm calling you because I want you to see him. And I, he's going to be discharged in two days. And I said, all right, will you pick up the record and bring it to me? And then I want to see him the next day. So she brings me a, a record of, you know, three, four inch thick, you know, paper record. I go through every page of that record. And what, what his story, I mean, his, his, when they took the history from the patient, what he told them was he had gotten his second dose of the Pfizer vaccine. Um, and then he was dizzy for four days and felt unsteady. And then he was at the post office on day five and fell to the ground, paralyzed in his left leg and left oh. arm and left face. Wow. And 911 and to the hospital. So they did the workup on him. And, and Ron, you know as well as I do, we're trained in how to work up strokes to figure out what's caused it mm -hmm. so they don't get Is another. It atrial fibrillation? Is it, right. uh, you know, carotid artery uh, stenosis? You know, all the usual coagulation cause. disorder. Coagulation whatever, disorders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we, so the whole workup's done and it was done appropriately and it was done well. And it's all negative. So, he comes in the office and he tells me a story. And what, what he said to me was when he got the first vaccine, he was dizzy and unsteady for four days and then went away. And he went to work. He, he works hard. He, he, you know, he just went, went about his business. Then the second shot came three weeks later. He got the same dizzy and unsteady feeling for four days. And then boom, you know, the paralysis happened. So I, as he explained, as he told me the history, I said to him, did anyone bring up the vaccines to you? Is it maybe a, maybe a cause of this thing? And he said, I did. I, I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, I brought it up to everybody walked in that room. And I said, what'd they say? He goes, well, every doctor poo-pooed it and said, no, not related. And it's a coincidence. I said, I said, what did the nurse say? The nurses say, and he goes, well, that was interesting. When the doctors would leave the room, the nurse, a couple of the nurses would come back and quietly whisper in my ear, I think the vaccine caused this in you. And I said, well, what do you think? He goes, oh, I'm sure it was the vaccine. You know, I, and what else What else would do this? The work, he said, my whole workup was negative. Mm -hmm. So I mean, so, so, what did we do? I said, did anyone fill out a VAERS report, Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System report? He said, what's that? And I told him what it was. It's a, it's a, it's a system to pick up signals that there might be a problem in a drug or a vaccine. And... So he said no one, he's, he's sure no one reported it because the doctors didn't believe it. So he reported it after we spoke about it. And, um, you know, I can't prove that that vaccine caused his stroke, but right. his stroke was very similar to the other strokes that these people had. They were odd strokes. They, they, he got most of his function back, which most of the other people did too after a period of time, but he's still about 10% has problems, you know, with it. And, um, um, you know, we know we know uh, the vaccines are causing coagulation problems in people. We know there's been other reports of strokes and heart attacks and deaths from the you know blood clotting. And um, I don't think it's out of the out of the realm to think that you know his was caused by the vaccine. Now, the majority of people who've had the vaccine haven't experienced, of course, that or or other serious adverse effects. But you know, we've seen it. And um, so, how do we manage it? You know, I he was still dizzy when he saw me. You know, still had that unsteady feeling. And when I drew his blood work, his his um, um, inflammatory markers um, that, that drive cytokine storm in the immune system were still elevated. Mm -hmm. He he had a high um, 
you know, IL-12 and IL-6 and some other interleukin markers that signify he was still really inflamed. Mm -hmm. So what did it get for him? I gave him IVs. I gave him, you know, IVs of vitamin C and, and, and uh, glutathione and, you know, phosphatidylcholine, things that will calm the inflammatory part of the immune system down and support his immune system. And he noticed after the second IV, his dizziness went away. And, you know, we did a couple more IVs. I rechecked his levels, which all came back down to normal. And, you know, I said to him, they're going to, this was a few months ago. I said, they're going to want boosters on people. I said, you're going to have to think, you're going to have to decide what you want to do. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, they may even make them uh, mandatory. Said, yeah. Yeah. I said, you know, you're going to have to decide what you want to do with this, but you've got to really think about it because if the vaccine caused this, you know, I don't think you want to get a booster on this. But you know, I said, I can't tell you for sure because we don't, yeah. we don't know. And nobody's monitoring this stuff. It's, it's mm -hmm. the sad thing. You know, it's, it's vastly underreported because, you know, typically uh, if you go to the hospital with some unusual symptom after the vaccine, they'll attribute it to coincidence. I've had some people come to me with bizarre symptoms, a variety of symptoms, no strokes, uh, but, you know, very bothersome problems and um, including tinnitus, including uh, neurological symptoms, including uh, worsening of their arthritis. And the doctors who they saw around these symptoms uh, you know, I asked all of them, did anyone make a VAERS report? Did anybody report this? And, you know, first of all, as you know, it's, it's, it's cumbersome and time consuming. You know, kudos to you for making the report. Uh, you know, cause they may come back at you because they may say, well, doctor, you know, you're saying that this is attributed to the vaccine. Um, you're actually putting yourself on the line a little bit uh, by making the report. So I think a lot of doctors are, you know, they're pressed for time. They're gun shy about making that association. So these side effects, I think, uh, well, uncommon. Let's admit it. You know, the vast majority of people oh. do fine with a vaccine. They have a little transient yeah, most doctors, fatigue. Most doctors don't even know what VAERS is. They, they, have no, yeah, they don't even exactly. know what it is. They don't even know it exists. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's reportable. Why aren't we reporting all these side effects, you know, and just – Looking for signals that maybe there's a problem here. Yep. Do I know for sure the stroke was caused by that vaccine? No, I can't tell you for sure. Um, what do I think? I think that there's a good chance it was. You know, I, I mean, I can't. I don't have another explanation. The whole workup was negative. You know, mm -hmm. health. Do 69 year olds get strokes? Of course they do. Yeah. Um, not the rate we've seen since since uh, January. Not the rate we're seeing them at. What? So, you know, given the fact that there can be reactions like that, do you have any insights into what? You know, a lot of people are going to take the vaccine. Uh, you know, they're uh, uh, in, in many cases compelled to take the vaccine. So I think we're seeing an uptick in vaccine uh, acceptance. So people are going to be taking the vaccine. Any advice to people who are about to take the vaccine? Should they take something preventively or, you know, is it, you know, or is it just a random, you know, kind of like Russian roulette? Well, you know, out of my three patients that had strokes temporarily related to their vaccine vaccination, um, um, you know, they were fairly healthy people, you know, and they, they were, took care of themselves. So, you know, what can you do? I'm, I'm, you know, look, you can get strokes. Strokes happen. You know, do I know that these were caused by the vaccine? No, I don't. Um, but, you know, what can you do? You do, the, you do the, you eat well, keep your hydration up, you know, take vitamin C. Um, you know, I don't think it's, 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 um, it's a problem to maybe up your vitamin C, maybe up your water intake, you know, just eat better, you know, for a period around any vaccine. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. you know, and so your immune system just has a better chance of not getting, 
you know, disrupted and getting to, a, you know, an inflammatory state. Don't do it after running a marathon. You know, make sure you have adequate no. sleep. Uh, don't do but it when you're particularly stressed. Most people don't get any of these things. And, you know, well, you know, can I, I can't prove any of those were caused by the vaccine. And I, you know, maybe mm-hmm. they were, maybe they weren't. But yeah. we should be talking about this. We should be looking at this. Yeah. And we should, there should be a national database to look at this. Mm-hmm. And we really aren't, you know, there's no safety review board. There's no clearinghouse to, that's looking at this. And that's really a disaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, the, probably because the messaging is, you know, just take the frickin' vaccine, uh, that, uh, you know, any information that, uh, you know, suggests that there may be uh, uh, some problems, uh, occasional problems, look, sometimes people, severe people problems, you know, gets, yeah, you know, kind of undermines the messaging, you know, and that's that's what the, where we're at. And okay, you're scared. Look, the vaccine does have positive effects. It does seem to lessen, you no know, I think people get COVID. Um, you know, I've certainly seen that with my patients. And, you know, look, I hope this vaccine's safe and effective and it works and it gets us out of this crisis. But, you know, I think that telling people to do nothing but wait till the vaccine and then, you know, and again, even if they get the vaccine, if they get sick, they're told to just stay at home, don't do anything and wait till you can't breathe and then go to the hospital. You just think that's where the big problem has been, just... That message is just all of the above approach, of course. Uh, Any insights on long COVID? Because by now you're probably seeing people who have uh, had COVID. Uh, They don't seem to completely recover. They have a bewildering array of symptoms. Uh, Have you encountered that? And do you have any strategies for addressing that? I have seen long COVID in about 3% of our patients. It's reported in about... 20 to 40 to 50 percent, you know, patients. Hmm. Um, so That's much lower than the average. Record. Yeah. You have a healthy and we have seen What we found is that we, we just try and, again, eat good, drink water, you know, do all the basic stuff, you know, a little mild exercise. And, and we do the IVs, you know, the, the nutritional IVs have seemed to be really helpful for these patients. And sometimes if they're still having some breathing issues, you know, post COVID, you have a nebulized peroxide. It hasn't worked on everybody, but it's, it's, it's helped a lot of people. And so, you know, we just kind of go back to the basics if they're still hit, they're probably still having trouble recovering. Okay. Well, you know, so much uh, to talk about. Uh, so many more details can be found in Dr. Brownstein's book, A Holistic Approach to Viruses. And I must congratulate you for, uh, you know, the courage that you've shown in, uh, in, in treating those patients uh, and in, in taking a, a very principled stand about what those patients need, uh, regardless of what uh, mainstream medicine may say about it. Uh, have you have you received any pushback for your unorthodox methods? Oh yes, you know I received an FTC warning letter about a year ago. Oh, well over a year ago, it's about sixteen months ago, and basically I took my entire website down, all my blogs. I was posting on, you know, there's still hope out there when there was no hope out there, and I was having patients do testimonials, and um, the FTC didn't like that. So, you know, we took everything down. I've stayed down and, you know, we've, we're just, just kind of going, working in the fields, just doing and doing our daily job. And, um, you know, there's, there's been other heat thrown my way over this. And, you know, it's just amazing to me. This is the first illness in 30 years of practicing medicine that for some reason we can't talk about it. Yep. We can't, we can't, we can't, uh, question, you know, the narrative that, the you know big pharma and the federal government is thrown at us and you know that's that's where that's the real sad part of this that um you know how are we going to learn you know if we don't learn from our mistakes and learn from 
what seems to be working and what doesn't seem to be working. And, um, you know, the, the consequences of this are severe. And I think that that's a, it's been a, it's been a sad time in our country. Indeed. And I might mention that, uh, you're recently uh, kind enough to, uh, reciprocate our rec, our, uh, invitation to join the board of the Alliance for Natural Health, anh-usa.org. And, you know, we welcome you as a, uh, a very, very important board member because of your extensive experience in the field and because of your uh, courageous stand for medical freedom. So, uh, anh-usa.org. You know, the, the, the Alliance for Natural Health was nice enough when I posted my warning letter and took everything down, the the... The head of the, uh, the, the A&H, Gretchen Dubois, called me and said, what can we do for you? Now, I, you know, I knew that. They had interviewed me for some other things over the years a little bit. And I, I always donate a little money to all these holistic groups that I like, that I support. But I didn't really know her. And you know what? They, they were nice enough to offer help and offer some advice. And you know, I'm honored to be on that board. And I, think, I think it's a wonderful group. And you know, I think they do wonderful things. Well, I very much look forward to working uh, with you over the next few years because we got a lot of work to do to uphold uh, people's uh, health freedom, freedom of choice in medicine. It's an issue which um, really demands a lot of attention. So thanks for your participation. Uh, the book is A Holistic Approach to Viruses. You can get it from all the usual sources. You have a website, Dr. Brownstein? It's www.drbrownstein.com. Okay. And uh, that's my site. Okay, and there you'll find information. And uh, you have a practice uh, in Michigan. Uh, do you uh, have the ability to treat patients, uh, uh, I was going to say telepathically, not telepath telephonically, <laughs> remotely? Do you treat we patients do, all over do. the country or just local patients? We do some remote. remote. I don't do that. My practice is, is um, you know, I, I want to see patients uh, mm -hmm. in, in the office. And it, look, As I see I. patients from my yeah. Once, you know, once I see them, I'm fine to work with them remotely for a while. But I'd like to see them. I like to put my hands on them. I like to, you know, to do that. But we do that. Some of my practitioners do some remote, some remote um, patients. And, you know, we'll look, we work hard. We're, we like what we do. And, um, you know, we're, we're excited about what we do. Well, great. Thanks to your leadership. Well, thank you very much, uh, Dr. David Brownstein, for joining us. Really a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. You know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. That's why I partnered with Fullscript, an online dispensing platform that only offers curated professional-grade brands that I know and trust. The very same supplements that I prescribe to my patients and take myself. Never counterfeit or expired, always stored and shipped correctly. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to start your free Fullscript account. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA compliant and offers world-class support. Fullscript also gives you access to my custom targeted supplement protocols that combine the products that I recommend to address specific needs, heart health, immune support, and much more. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll get access to the supplements and features you need to help you achieve your wellness goals. That's DearHoffmanStore.com. DearHoffmanStore.com.